This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC. Popular during the summer holidays and an integral part of grilling, hot dogs are considered an especially American food. Hot dogs. Warmer hot dogs. Sing it like you mean it. What kinds of kids eat armor hot dogs? Have you ever had one before? A hot dog? At the ballpark. I have. I, I believe I have. Okay, good. Thank well, you. Well, enjoy this one. Thanks. Nobody. I mean, nobody puts ketchup on a hot dog. Oh, I wish I were an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is what I truly like to be. Because if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would be in love with me. Okay, hot dogs in the United States made their debut in the late 1800s in New York. From there, they made their way across the country, sold mostly by immigrants, and topped, well, with whatever was popular in our own hand. Americans spent nearly $2.3 billion on hot dogs in 2022. That's according to the National Hot Dog and Sausage Council. They dedicate themselves to gathering all the hot dog facts and figures imaginable. And we'll hear from their top dog a little later. Today, we're taking a closer look at hot dogs. Not at how they're made, but at how they've become one of America's most recognizable and versatile foods. I'm Dessa, in for Jen White. You're listening to the 1A Podcast, where we get to the heart of the story. We'll be back with more in just a moment. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts. Here to help guide us through our hot dog conversation is Jamie Loftus. Jamie is the author of Raw Dog, The Naked Truth About Hot Dogs, and she joins me now. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Also with us is Serena Daniels. She's a food journalist and co-founder of Tostada Magazine, which features Detroit's food scene. She reports on issues about food, identity, and culture. Serena, it's wonderful to have you here. Oh, God. Ah, I love it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Okay, another quick aside, listeners. This episode is a passion project of one of our producers here at 1A. It's Hot Dog Barb. Did she write the puns in the script? I think you know she did. Is there a little tension through the glass? Of course there is. This one's for you, Barb. Frank, you both for joining us. Okay, Uh, I'd like to start actually with our inbox, where we heard from a lot of you about your favorite hot dogs and toppings. Let's roll. I love a Chicago-style dog with a Cincinnati chili, uh, five-way, or a Coney dog with mac and cheese. Perfect hot dog is just the dog, the bun, a little bit of mustard on the left, a little bit of mustard on the right, relish on the center. I prefer blue cheese. Not the dressing, just regular crumbled up blue cheese on the hot dog. I think it tastes amazing that way. What? 
<laughs> okay. Uh, Jamie, Serena, I'd like to hear thoughts from both of you on these preferences we received from our listeners. Jamie, what do you got? Are these like legitimate ways to consume hot dogs? There's no wrong way to eat a hot dog, I've found. <laughs> it's like there's there's ways that I wouldn't eat a hot dog that other people would um, get run over by a truck to enjoy one last time. Uh, what I noticed is that there's not a lot of love for the ketchup heads in that particular batch. I know that ketchup's a polarizing hot dog element, but... Um, I think ketchup representation is important. Okay, hold on. I'm going to low-key say I don't believe you. I'm sitting across from you. Why? We j- Listen, let's say we just met. We go out to call. Hey, nice to meet you. We're going to do an interview. One day. I order a hot dog, and from a back pocket, I produce like a dry packet of Kool-Aid. Sprinkle it on my hot dog. No part of you is going to be like, yo, that's unacceptable. You're like, you know what? We're all, we're all beautiful creatures in a biodiverse world. You're going to have nothing to say on that? If you put Kool-Aid on your hot dog, uh, I reserve the right to never see you again. But it doesn't mean that you are morally wrong. <laughs> Fair. Okay. Okay. Uh, the generous Jamie Loftus. And Serena, what about you? Do you have some absolute red lines? Um, I am definitely tea mustard. Um, I spent a good amount of time in Chicago before relocating to Detroit so I know the story and kind of like the the background um, behind why no ketchup. Uh, so I'm definitely in that in that um, on that team. Uh, but yeah, in general, I would say I saw a lot of uh, I heard a lot of uh, Midwest representation, the Chicago style hot dog, and then you know the Coney dog from Detroit. Now I've never seen mac and cheese, but. You know, more power to you for experimenting. Lightning round, favorite hot dog. Jamie, go. Ooh, um, I live in Los Angeles. I love the Danger Dog. I feel like it's hard hard to beat the Danger Dogs. Uh, Those are bacon wraps and topped with all sorts of uh, Southwestern ingredients from, and, and the best way to get them is right outside the baseball stadium. At home, I split them, I grill them, I do a toasted bun, ketchup, mustard, relish, done. Serena, the mic is uh, I got to say Dooley's Place. It's over in southwest Detroit. Um, it's been around for over a century and um, beloved neighborhood spot. Uh, they specialize in the Coney Dog, which has all meat, um, kind of a Coney sauce or chili, no beans, um, a little bit of mustard, and some diced onions, and you're good to go. Okay, wait. I'm gonna I'm gonna pause you there because I know that you've got like a particular relationship to Michigan's Coney Dog. Is that correct? Uh yeah. I mean, I've I've been a food writer for several years now, and so if you're based in Detroit um, and you're writing about food, inevitably mm-hmm. you're going to be covering the Coney Dog and its origins. And do you revel sure. in that, or is that just like that's part of the beat, man? You just you know you you lace up your ballpoint pen and you go. <laughs> like you know what? Do you like, love them? Do you hate them? What's what's the scoop? Actually, that's so funny you say that because it is kind of part of the beat, if you will. Um, and even if you're not a food writer, I think inevitably, if you're a local news reporter in Detroit, you're gonna write about it. Um, 
What I like to do with a lot of my food writing is talk about, you know, like the identity or the people behind the Coney. And so that's what gets me really excited. Um, and I actually did kind of a deep dive on the origins of the Coney dog um, in Detroit and traced it back to a town in in Greece um, well over a century ago and how um, folks from this, uh, from this city, and I'm not going to pronounce it correctly, um, you know, immigrated to, you know, to Michigan and made their way, uh, to Detroit and started opening up these, these little diners, um, that eventually just became known as Coney Islands. Um, oh. so yeah, that's really, that's really my, like my specialty is like kind of like diving into, um, the origins and the history behind a food that's legendary. Okay, and this provides the perfect moment to say that, you know, we sort of set up the hot dog as like a classic American favorite, whereas like I can hear people in traffic right now like swearing at their radios, like I'm pretty sure sausages came from Europe, dude. Um, for those people who are having uh, feels right now on the origins of the hot dog and their provenance, Jamie, could you make like the quick and dirty case for the hot dog as an American foodstuff? Um, it's kind of tricky to do. I mean, I, I think that it's it's absolutely true that the hot dog comes out of European sausage traditions, but I think um, be, because it is a food that was popularized by um, immigrants from Greece, immigrants from Poland, immigrants from Germany, um, it becomes a very American food. And uh, I think that the 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 fun side of that is be, is it's very much a dish that was popularized from uh, small businesses um, and, you know, around in the Midwest and in New York. And so it becomes kind of this iconic American food. And I think the other thing that makes it um, very American is that it's constantly kind of uh, dishonestly marketed as the most American food, which feels like a very American thing to do is uh, lie in an advertisement. <laughs> okay, Jamie, one quick follow-up question. In reading your book, um, yeah, it's as much a memoir as anything. Like, it's writerly, it's funny, it's got weirdo bits of history. Why was Hot Dog the vehicle that you chose to, like, present your innermost private life? <laughs> um, I really... I'm fascinated by hot dogs. There wasn't there. There's a lot written about them, but um, I was uh, aiming to sort of encapsulate why this food has become an American icon and sort of combine that with the more difficult parts of talking about hot dogs, about their production and about mm -hmm. all of the um, labor issues that exist within meatpacking, especially uh, during the pandemic lockdown. So I wanted to try to bring those together. And I also just think that it's such a unique food in the U.S. where it's like this canvas for wherever you are. Um, and every region has its own make of hot dog. And it's very reflective of uh, the culture in that area. And I think that's amazing. We're discussing all things hot dogs. We'll be back with more from you and our guests in just a moment. And we'll hear from a company that's kept the hot dogs rolling in Chicago for 130 years. This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore. Jump into a new perspective on performance apparel. 
Viore makes products that stand the test of time and hope to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives, empowering your best life in clothing that can be worn for just about any activity from running to yoga. Visit viore.com slash NPR to receive 20% off your first purchase and enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. Discover the versatility of Viore clothing. In this country... Some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. We're discussing one of America's favorite foods, hot dogs. Let's go to our inbox. Really, the way that we eat hot dogs and growing up, what we did was we ate what we called weenies con huevo. And that was mostly for breakfast, but you can eat it at any time of the day. And that's how we prefer it. It's basically hot dogs with scrambled eggs. And it was delicious. And it still is. My very favorite is the Sonoran-style hot dog. This is on a dreamy bun, very soft and delicious hot dog wrapped in bacon and grilled uh, with beans Grilled onions, raw onions, peppers, crema, and uh, just generally a mouthful of extraordinary desert Southwest flavor. Yes. Okay. So a question for both of you on this Sonoran dog. Jamie, uh, briefly, I know that in your description in the book, like you had this plan. Here's how I'm going to eat these hot, you know, you can't eat the whole thing. It's like if we imagine an ice cream taster who like very daintily puts a little tiny spoonful in her mouth and then spits like you had this very precise tasting method lined up. And then you have tried a Sonoran hot dog and you were like, yo, all that's out the window. What was what was your experience? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, I uh, I tried to be sort of a, a hot dog sommelier and you know, it's like I I had this whole system where I would, you know, take two bites 30 seconds apart. Uh I would have my partner take a bite. Sometimes we'd kind of, you know, do a little lady in the tramp situation Hi. and uh and then, you know, write down my thoughts and continue because I was eating, you know, as many as, you know, 5 to 7 hot dogs a day and I didn't want to pass away. Um <laughs> But on day one, yeah, we had this incredible Sonoran hot dog. It was my first Sonoran at this place called um, Hot Dog Ruiz Los Chipolones in Tucson. And it just like, I, I it's it sounds dramatic to say it changed my life, but I do think it's true. It was one, it's one of the best hot dogs I've ever had. And I finished the entire thing and uh, rarely returned to my system again. <laughs> okay. And Serena, can I ask you, that's like mm-hmm. the Mexican hot dog here in the U.S. Like, how popular are American hot dogs in other countries? Is that a thing? That's a good question. You know, I <laughs> when I was doing my reporting um, on the origins of the Coney, um, I was asking some of the founders um, or the, the descendants of founders of um, some of these really popular Coney Islands if if the Coney dog was a thing in Greece, right? Because that's, that's you know, like that's the community that that made these hot dogs popular. So what would be the equivalent? And, you know, the, the responses were pretty much no. We don't, we don't see hot dogs in Greece, obviously. <laughs> okay. um, they kind of pull, um, maybe, you know, they say like 
some of the elements of the chili sauce that you put on on top might have some Greek influence. I'm not sure if I really believe that. Uh, I have to do some more research, but yeah, you know, we we have like these traditions in the U.S. and then we go to like the origin or, of where folks come from and they're mm. like, what's a hot dog? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Serena, are there like popular trends on the hot dog horizon that all of us should be watching for? Like what's in on the hot dog runways? I really appreciated what that that caller said, um, who said that he adds blue cheese to the really? hot dog. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I don't think I would do it myself, but like, I I truly do think that you can make a hot dog whatever you want it. It can be a street food, but you can also do really fun and interesting things. I will say that, like, in general, in the food scene, I think um, people are longing for nostalgia. And so... That's where you see like those restaurants with, you know, those crazy milkshakes and, you know, playing 90s music videos and stuff like that. And so in within that realm, I think the hot dog, there's a lot of opportunity for the hot dog to kind of tap into that nostalgia that we're all kind of like thinking about right now with food. That has been, of course, Serena Daniels. She's a food journalist and co-founder of Tostada Magazine. Thank you so much. And Jamie Loftus author of Raw Dog. I'll also just say I was like madly impressed with your writing. I talked about it ad nauseum. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. This is a blast. Now, while some hot dogs are influenced by communities around them, others help communities develop identities. If you're doing hot dogs, you've got to put aside some time for the Chicago hot dog. It is an art form. It's like Georgia women making pecan pies. It is an art form. Yes, the Chicago dog. If you're from the Chicagoland area, chances are you love it. Joining us now is someone who really loves Chicago dogs, Tim O'Brien. Tim is the president of Vienna Beef, which has been churning out hot dogs for Chicagoland for 130 years. Tim, (laughs) Frank's for joining us today. And again, just a quick note that all credit and comment on puns can be directed towards Barb. Tim, thanks for coming on. Well, absolutely. I'll have to send you one of our shirts, the weenie the world awaited. What a career I'm having. Okay, very quickly. What are the seven ingredients on a Chicago hot dog? Go. It's, it starts with a Vienna beef, all beef hot dog. Uh, it's topped with yellow mustard, neon green relish, chopped white onions, sliced red tomatoes, kosher pickle spear, sport peppers. Bear with me, I'm almost half done. A dash of celery salt. And then it has to be nestled in a steamed poppy seed bun. Okay, and I can hear people in Chicago like checking your work with red pens <laughs> right now. And I, I quickly want to play a, a clip. This is from WBEZ's in Chicago, Curious City, taking a deep dive into the history of the Chicago hot dog. They credit the 1893 World's Columbian Exposition with really helping Vienna beef hot dogs take off. But it wasn't until somewhere between the 1920s and the 30s that the Chicago dog came to be the delectable indulgence as we know it. Here's the host speaking with historian Bruce Craig. It's a product of Chicago's ethnic history. So uh, there isn't a single person. There are persons from different ethnic groups who uh, created this wonderful thing we call the Chicago hot dog, which is unique in the world. Basically, Craig says the style was developed between 1920 and 1950 by a bunch of different ethnic groups. Tim, 
Can you tell me how these ingredients relate to Chicago? Like, why why are they the domain of the the terroir? I've never used that word, not ironically. Um, yeah, you know, it's very peculiar. Uh, many cities in America uh, were claiming to be melting pots of immigrants, and I know that was brought up in an earlier segment. But, um, you know, we had a very big population of Jewish, Italian, Polish, Greek, and German people that lived in Chicago, especially given its um, role as the hog butcher of the world and a lot of shipping and maritime activities. But all of those cultures contributed something, especially during the Depression, when produce vendors would buy a hot dog for a nickel and then top it with what they were selling and it sort of became uh, an agglomeration of all of those cultures rolled on top of a hot dog, which was a very affordable thing in the 1920s. So I do believe it's got a, a very large immigrant base to how the toppings um, gave birth. Tim, when you eat a Chicago hot dog, let's say it's a daytime thing, what is the non-alcoholic drink that pairs most beautifully with a Chicago dog? And then give me the answer again after 7 p.m. when everyone's feeling a little kicky. <laughs> the non-alcoholic drink probably would be a root beer. Ice? Ice? Tim, let's slow down. Ice? No ice. I think it would be in a frozen glass with root beer out of a tap if I could get one and a Chicago-style hot dog somewhere on a street table with loud L trains going around and maybe some blues music in the background. How's that seem? I can't. I, uh, you rose to the occasion, Tim. I'll be real honest. That one didn't stump you. Okay, and then after seven, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the adult bev that pairs with the Chicago dog? Uh, I, well, I probably have to take something that was based in Chicago, like an old style or Maybe do a shot of Malort and then go back to my uh, hot dog or Maxwell Street Polish. Nobody's going to out Chicago, Tim. Nobody's going to out Chicago, (laughs) Tim. Um, Okay, let's go to our inbox for a moment. Here is another clip. Hi, this is Terry. I'm calling from Boston, home of the Fenway Frank. And I love my hot dog steamed on a plain roll with mustard. Just mustard. Just yellow mustard. Enjoy. And there it is. Baseball and hot dogs. Let's make that connection. The hot dog of the game beat roast beef at the Ritz. One A producer and aforementioned hot dog aficionado, Barb Anguiano, spoke to hot dog's top dog, Eric Mittenthal, before the show. Eric is the president of the Hot Dog and Sausage Council. And one topic he stressed should not be overlooked is the association of hot dogs and sports. Here's Eric. Um, first introduced in St. Louis, um, the St. Louis team, uh, which was the St. Louis Browns, was owned by a bar owner who um, was a German immigrant. And so he started selling hot dogs at the ballpark. It was in 1893. And uh, they took off from there. And baseball at that point in time was just really becoming uh, popular uh, in America. So, you know, they, they truly did grow up together. Uh, baseball and hot dogs. And the Hot Dog and Sausage Council says Los Angeles is the country's top hot dog consuming city, thanks in part to the Los Angeles Dodgers and the Dodgers dog. Tim, Vienna beef is the official hot dog of both the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox, both baseball teams. Can you tell me more about those partnerships and how those come to be? 
Well, obviously, we're, we're very lucky to have the opportunity to, to be a part of the city's fabric. And derivatively, we need to be where our fans are. So part of that is, as you mentioned, in Major League Baseball at Wrigley Field, as well as with guaranteed rate, or as most Chicagoans call it, still Comiskey. Uh, you know, it's part of the sports business where they know that they will get people to be fans and come to the ballpark if they're serving food that they want and food that they're willing to pay for. So fortunately, um, the local teams in Chicago, the White Sox, the Chicago Bears, the uh, Chicago Cubs, the Chicago Dogs, etc., they know that having Vienna helps their brand and helps their fans enjoy the game, perhaps on a day that maybe they're not winning. <laughs> if I could be so bold. <laughs> oh, the turn of the knife at the very last moment there, Tim. Um, okay. I think the question du jour, probably, for a lot of listeners, like, can you mess with it? If I order a Chicago dog and I say, yo, do you mind holding that celery salt? Or if I go crazy and say, can I get a veggie dog, Chicago style? Can I, is your blood, like, circulating backwards through your system right now, just like like the mere contemplation of these changes? Wow. You know... Wow. The company I help manage is 130 years young, and I'm sure this has been been discussed before. So I I guess my answer needs to be, um, of course they can change it. They can do whatever they want as long as it's on a Vienna beef hot dog. Um, Although, being in Chicago, um, I'm okay if they want to take a couple of the things off of the toppings, um, but there is no way that I or anybody at Vienna would approve them putting ketchup on that hot dog. That would be an abomination of a of time-tested uh, food uh, gold standard, in my estimation. That is Tim O'Brien. He is top dog at Vienna Beef, the companies that's been making hot dogs in Chicago for 130 years. Tim, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And coming up, what is the 4th of July without Nathan's hot dog eating contest? We will catch up. It hurts more every time. With the president of Major League Eating in just a moment. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash oninvesting or wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on. Now more than ever, your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services, all tailored to your short- and long-term goals. Backed by the strength and stability of a top-10 commercial bank, their dedicated experts work with you to build lasting success. Explore the possibilities at CapitalOne.com slash commercial, a member FDIC. This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. All right. Let's get back to our conversations on hot dogs. (laughs) Plural, singular, conversation, conversations is hard to tell. And we'll start with more of your favorite ways to decorate America's favorite food. I like jalapenos 
on my hot dog and sauerkraut and mustard. No ketchup. Being born and raised in the Midwest where you had your average hot dogs, when I moved to Tucson and found out about Sonoran hot dogs, wow. I tell you, first of all, they're wrapped in bacon, grilled. Then you have uh, pinto beans, sliced tomatoes, rather chopped tomatoes, chopped onions, um, uh, a spicy mayonnaise. You can have cilantro. And it's on a, a special bun. They are so good. You just can't imagine. Thank you. Yeah, a lot of love for the Sonoran hot dogs. Okay, and I'm now I'm making direct eye contact through the studio glass with Barb, our hot dog aficionado. Now, the Sonoran buns, like those aren't sliced lengthwise like they usually are, right? Like there's like a weird surgical incision. God, I can feel the hate mail pouring in if I'm incorrect. They're like a boat, says Barb. Listener, I leave that with you. <laughs> They're like a boat. <laughs> okay. One of the most well-known brands in the hot dog world is Oscar Mayer. So what's a conversation about hot dogs without the iconic Oscar Mayer Frankmobile, previously called the Wienermobile? There are only 12 Frankmobiles in the U.S. that travel around the country promoting the brand. And I'll note that although Barb wrote only, I thought there are 12. <laughs> it is all a matter of perspective. So once again, we sent our hot dog producer, Barb, out to catch up with Aoli Anna, who is one of two drivers of this particular vehicle, and check out the Frankmobile. Here is how that went. So I am Aoli Anna. I am a Frankfurter um, with Oscar Mayer driving the Frankmobile. And we are here at the DC barbecue um, battle to just spread smiles and spark that magic for everybody walking by. Run me through your day driving this thing. You know, we like to say every day is a little bit different. Um, most of the reactions are super, super positive, especially driving on the um, hot dog highways. We get honks, we get waves. So we have 12 um, Frankfurters that will drive per year. Um, and then there's six, six of them that are across the U.S. that um, are across the hot dog highways at events, parades, etc. Um, so within a year, there's about 12 of us. And then um, the next year, there's new Frankfurters that come in to train and spread the mission, too. So it's always blue skies in the Frankmobile. We have ketchup and mustard seats. It's truly magical in there. I think that's what people don't understand about the job, that how magical it truly is. Yeah. Can we look at it inside? We can definitely look at it inside. I can bring you right on in. Come on. Give me, give me a tour. Give me a tour. So we also like to say it's a Lambo weenie because it, the door swings out right open. So it really rides like a Lambo weenie. Yeah. We have six seats for 12 bonds. You know it. <laughs> yep. We'll get right into it. Oh, yeah. I'm about to say I don't want to steal it. No worries. There you go. You can come on in. Okay, perfect. So I'll get you a party bus. Yeah, so we like to say these are our ketchup and mustard seats. You can feel free to sit down if you want. Um, you can sit shot bun is what we like to call it. So yeah, this is our shot bun seat. We have a bun box to store all of our goodies and um, valuables in here. Um, and then let's see what else. We have our bun roof above you here. Looking outside to the beautiful skies, like I mentioned, the blue skies in the Frankmobile, always. Um, we got mustard-stained carpets. Um, what oh, else really do. 
Yeah, we do. We got it all. And um, the very special Oscar Mayer logos are imprinted on every single seat here, even on the armchairs. Very special, iconic logo. Um, yeah, this is our wonderful beloved. What's a weenie without wheels? <laughs> and what's the 4th of July without hot dogs? You look like the 4th of July. It makes me want a hot dog real bad. With the 4th of July holiday, we are at the cusp of one of the most recognizable food events in the country. Second place, Joey Chestnut. Can he get the world record pace in the final 50 seconds? No one's touching Joey right now. He's the GOAT. He's so GOAT that people are starting to call other greats the Joey, like Michael Jordan is the Joey of basketball. Brady's the Joey of football. Matthew LeBlanc, of course, the Joey of friends. He is truly. But Joey Chestnut is the greatest ever. He is the GOAT. He is the Joeyest of all time. <laughs> Joining us now... Rich Che is the president of Major League Eating, one of the most recognizable food events in the country. Rich, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, how are you? I forgot about that Matt, Matt LeBlanc call out. <laughs> and how are you feeling? <laughs> I feel good about it. That was a few years ago. That, yeah, the clip we just heard was from the 2019 4th of July eating contest where Joey Chestnut broke his own record, right? And ate 71 hot dogs. Uh, yes, and then he went on. And, yeah, and he went on to eat seventy six a couple of years, a year or so ago. Yeah. And how you feel? Are, is seventy six the high water mark, or can you feel those numbers rising? No, I think that you know, I, if you had asked me years ago, uh, you know, when when Kobayashi ate fifty, I think that I would have been you know agog if he had eaten thirty. So I thought fifty was the high water mark, but seventy six maybe. Last year, Joey, so seventy six was eaten in uh, in twenty one. Last year, Joey ate uh, fewer at sixty three, so thirteen fewer. The human capacity can't be overestimated, it sounds like. And where did, just generally, like, where did this idea for a hot dog eating contest come from? <laughs> well, Major League Eating, you know, uh, competitive eating predates Major League Eating, which is the league I run mm -hmm. to, you know, archive results and advance the sport safely. But the Nathan's Contest, uh, you know, oral history brings it all the way back to 1916 when Nathan Handworker opened his hot dog stand in Coney Island. And uh, there were four immigrants, the story goes, uh, sitting around and trying to prove who was the most patriotic. And Nathan said, whomever can eat the most of my hot dogs is the most American. And a guy named Jim Mullen, an Irish immigrant, mm. purportedly ate 13 to win that very first contest. Gosh, the innocent years of your... And you just, <laughs> yes. you just said sport, right? Did you just say, I think you just said, to advance the sport safely. Yes. Gosh, is that so naive of me? And what what makes it a sport? Uh, it's every bit of sport. So it, it's a oh. it's a physical activity governed by a set of rules. So that clearly is a sport. And I, I, you know, we're not in the Olympics. We used to lobby them, and we've kind of grown beyond that platform. Um, but you know, I think it's as inherent to man as running and jumping, both recognized sports. Uh, and I think that if you had a, some viewers back in the day used to be, have a little parochial attitude, mm. uh, and then when they watch the event, they're like, "Oh, yes, no, that is a competitive uh, sport right there." Wait, wait, slow it down. Let's let's presume. Let's just pretend for a second, Rich, that there might be some parochial attitudes at large among listeners or <laughs> NPR hosts. Like, what attitudes were you dispelling when people saw it live and went, yo, I stand corrected? Yeah, because people see the rise and fall of the competition and then they, they get to know the, the competitors. So these mm. athletes are, are very much, our major league eaters, gurgitators, epicureators, whatever you want to call them, are every bit the athletes of like Tom Brady. They watch tape. They uh, train themselves physically. They watch their diets. Uh, you know, so they do anything and 
another, uh, I guess, quote-unquote traditional athlete would do, but I think ours is probably the most inherent sport known to man. So if you're a caveman in Eastern Europe 30,000 years ago, dead of winter, and a rabbit walks in, you're going to want to eat that rabbit before the, the guy next to you. Basic rules. If I haven't seen it before. Like, yeah, for people who haven't seen the contest, I think most of us have probably seen clips, you know what I mean, excerpted, maybe on a newscast that time of year. But, like, what are the, the rules of play? So the, the basic, we really haven't changed our sport, uh, you know, from the early days that, that predate us. You know, so it's the same corner, which is one great thing. And Nathan's Famous is there on the corner of Surf and Stillwell mm-hmm. Avenue in, in, in Brooklyn, where the, where, the, where the original hot dog stand was, was situated. Uh, it's the same hot dog and the same bun. It's a 10-minute contest. So competitors get five Nathan's Famous hot dogs and buns on a plate. They must complete all five before they move on to the next plate of five. Um, they can separate dog from bun. They can break dog and bun in half. They can even dunk uh, the bun in water for five or fewer seconds. Uh, and that's really it. And then the fundamental rule, you know, no reversals of fortune. If I had to say during the call that Elvis has left the building, that that competitor would be disqualified. Okay, wait, I have, I have a quick question. Because I think, I think probably even like the casual observer of American tradition knows like, oh, yeah, don't they do that thing where they dunk them in water, they break them in half or something? From your perspective as an experienced scholar of the of the sport like i'm thinking about those moments in sport that are often referenced as like yo that was the day the game changed we broke the four minute mile somebody pole vo- pole vaulted backwards do you remember like that moment when the time just seemed to slow and somebody did something on stage that you had never seen them do before yeah, so I, I would go back to uh, when Kobayashi ate 50 Nathan's hot dogs and buns in 10 minutes. We, there was rumors. We had had competitors from uh, Japan before. He was a mm. Japanese competitor. Um, we've, you know, we had Americans who could eat 25. And, it, and when we started our league, if you could get to the deuce, which is 20, you, know, you were an eater of note. Um, so there, there, was, there was discussion that this guy, Kobayashi from Japan, can eat 30. And I was like, you know, poo-pooing it. The next mm. day, he ate 50. And that was a, that was a huge, uh, you know, moment for our sport. Uh, a few years later, Joey Chestnut came and, and, and you know beat him and then beat him six years in a row uh, and, and since has won uh, 15 of 16 wow. Masvidal belts. Wow. And do you watch like the farm leagues? Are you like, give this kid a, you know, a glass of water and 90 hot dogs and let's see what he can do? You know, so Major League Eating does a tour. So we're, we go all around the country and beyond. So, and we do other foods. So it might be oysters in New Orleans, right? Or buffalo uh-huh. wings in Buffalo. And that's how we kind of harvest talent. So people who think they have this ability will follow our website and they'll, they'll sign up for a contest when, when we're in their neck of the woods. And then if they seem to have a, a certain ability, they'll, they'll move on to another contest. And then obviously everybody wants to be in Coney Island on the 4th of July. That's, mm-hmm. our, that's our masters in the mustard yellow belt is, is our green jacket. Are you any good? Do you dabble? Are you an amateur? I am, I am a social eater. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't do it. I haven't really even tried. Mm. I, I would maybe try like tapioca pudding or, or lobster from the shell, but I, I just... Uh, Wait a minute. Let's point, just you know, pause. Why did you just say tapioca pudding or lobster from the shell real casually as if we would all intuitively know why those would be the two foods to start with? Well, people have asked me that question before, and, and I love lobster, and, uh, uh-huh. and I think... You know, it's not too hard to chew, and then tapioca obviously yeah. requires very little, very little mastication. So I, I just think any pudding would be would be something I would try. But I'll be honest, if I try to eat a turkey wrap in haste at my desk in Midtown, I uh, I have to <laughs> I, I can't even get through it. Yeah, we're speaking to Rich Shea, president of Major League Eating, and you know, for for all of these kind of various categories of competition, about how many people are competing? 
Uh, so we'll have 16 in the, men's, uh, in the men's contest on the 4th of July. We'll have 16 in the, in the women's contest. Typically, it's between like 8 and 12 or up to 15 when we're on the road doing a, uh, doing a contest, whether that's Qdoba burritos in Milwaukee or, mm. or as I said, you know, you know, Rouse's Crawfish down in New Orleans. Balance of around 10 to 15. And I know at the beginning, one of the phrases of our conversation, one of the phrases that you used was in formulating the objective to your objective to advance the sport safely. Let's talk about the the safely bit. Um, is there a a concern for health risks? And I know that you know some critics say there haven't been many studies done on what this kind of competitive eating is actually doing to a person's body. So, what sort of risks are you aware of, and what efforts do you take to prevent you know bad outcomes? Well, overall, you know, ever since Major League has been around, we have EMTs and paramedics on hands, and we don't have to call for them and haven't, you know. But we're we're, we're lucky to have not. But we understand that there's an inherent risk here. So just like a I don't know, a high school uh, football game or, or wrestling match, you would have uh, EMTs and proper personnel in hand. So we always do. That's one of the distinctions of a, of a major league eating event. Um, beyond that, I'm not like a, I'm not a doctor at all. Um, I will say, if you look at our competitors, uh, you know, one big shift we've had in the uh, in the contest is uh, or in our sport. Uh, beyond just hot dogs, is that the eaters in around 2007 uh, became, you could see a marked difference on the stage, hmm. uh, you know, where the eaters were more like X Games people and more traditional competitors. So, what does that we mean? Have, Do you we mean have like bodybuilders. physiologically? Is that what you mean? I'm just saying, that, yeah. So when we started, it was it was a much looser sort of thing. So a buffet buster type of guy, like a big heavy guy that you'd see in the food court in the mall. Mm. We always thought that was our target. <laughs> we learned otherwise. It's actually, you know, it might be a, a marathon runner or a triathlete or you know someone who excelled at other sports. And and you'll see on the Fourth of July, uh, you'll see a, a more than one. Like uh, clearly, they're they're bodybuilders, and I think we appeal to a demo uh, of athlete or person who is just inherently interested in competition. Rich, can you tell us what you're looking for or what we should be looking for this 4th of July? Um, I think, it, A, we shouldn't lose the, the, you know, lose the focus, which is celebrating American independence with a lot of ballyhoo and fun. So what we do at Nathan's Famous and Coney Island, obviously, is nothing if not full of ballyhoo and fun. So we try to underscore that and bring it uh, through the ESPN show to everybody. Um, so that's, it's like what kind of fun spirited stuff can we see? And then, you know, I'm not so hung up on seeing Joey or another competitor break the record. Um, I, I'm always looking for like, you know, cheek to jowl down to the last second competition. Um, and, and, and I think we'll see that both in the ladies and the men's round this year. Thank you so much. That was Rich Shea. He's the president of Major League Eating. And we will end our hot dog extravaganza with this message from someone very brave. My preferred hot dog is just a simple ketchup on the hot dog. I like some extra toppings every once in a while, but I think part of the joy of having a hot dog while you're sitting by the lake is just the simplicity of it and the classic flavoring and memories And so I personally like to just keep it simple with some ketchup and a plain hot dog, um, preferably Oscar Mayer. I hope everyone has a great holiday and uh, enjoys their hot dogs no matter how they like them. Today's producer was Barb Anguiano, Hot Dog Barb, who turned her lifelong passion for hot dogs into this show. This program comes to you from WAMU, part of American University in Washington, distributed by NPR. I am Dessa. Let's talk more soon. This is 1A. Hot
This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. Support for NPR and the following message come from Rosetta Stone, the perfect app to achieve your language learning goals no matter how busy your schedule gets. It's designed to maximize study time with immersive 10-minute lessons and audio practice for your commute. Plus, tailor your learning plan for specific objectives like travel. Get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off and unlimited access to 25 language courses. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as Black experiences, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.